If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 25. Sometimes pastors don't tell you how you get their thoughts for their sermon, but I have to share a little bit on this one. I had outlined this sermon 30 years ago and maybe longer. And the first part of this psalm, there is something I sing in my quiet time when I walk and talk to the Lord. And so I will sing for you. Don't throw stones at me. It will come at the end of the sermon. And so as I was praying about this, I said, well, Lord, I'm only going to cover the first three verses. No, Bill. Father. Well, the next five verses. No, Father. Whole thing. And so I've had a battle with doing it, and I, God always wins. Always wins. And so he gets his way in this. So, and the title of the sermon is Trusting Him in Dark Times. And there was another verse that got erased, and you might jot it down. I got erased when I redid it several times, and it's Jeremiah 13.5. And hopefully we will visit that verse. It's an obscure verse, but very powerful for our times. So let's read it, and then we shall pray. The whole psalm. O thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in thee I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all day. Remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to thy loving kindness, remember thou me. For thy goodness sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it's great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant my eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring it out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Do not deliver, guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Father, I pray you've been editing this thing for probably 30 years in my life, even though I've sang the song. But I pray that we will see you new and afreshed, We'll understand your ways in times like we're going through. 
we'll see you, we'll be obedient, and we'll walk by faith, looking for opportunities to share Christ. In his name we pray. I'm going to date myself when I say my first example. In the years of Jimmy Carter, I had just finished seminary. I had been preaching at church, and, and the Lord said, it's time for you to move somewhere else. And my tent-making trade was being a professor, a consultant, an author, and that's what I've always done with those fields. They have been my tent-making trade. And so, where are you taking me, Lord? Washington, D.C., where he took us. And when we went, couldn't get our house sold. When we got there, interest rate was 15%, if you remember those times. Finding housing was hard in those times. I had two mortgages I was paying on. But God was gracious. He raised a couple in our church that covered our one mortgage for a year. Special people. Love the Lord dearly. Ex-Marine guy, and he fought. And so we've been through those dark times. And we're going through them again. And so I thought it's important when preaching to be relevant to what we're going through. So that's what we're going to do. This psalm is what they call a, a, an acrostic psalm. It's a beautiful psalm of David. Acrostic means that, that in each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it was done that way so that they could remember it and use it in conversation and so forth. And there's several psalms that are that way. But the one thing that's unusual here for this psalm is there's no historical background. A lot of the psalms that David wrote, we know what the situation was. But in this one, there's nothing known about it. So the keys are found within the psalm, and I will mention some of them. It was evidently a very stressful, painful, and lonely time for David. And here's some things you can go, and you can go back and look at it. I, I, I encourage you to study this psalm. It's rich, and we're not going to hit every verse. I don't have time. The scripture says in verse 2 and 3 here in 19, he was attacked by enemies. Well, we felt that. He was trapped in tough circumstances. In a net. That's a good way to describe it. He was isolated from the support of others. Sound familiar? He was discouraged of heart, verse 17. He was hated by his foes with a violent hatred. What have we seen for two years? Violent hatred. This psalm Hits it on the nose. Now, I didn't catch all that 30 some odd years ago. 
But now that is the picture. But even more, it was a time of darkness. And believe it or not, God works well in darkness. So the first thing we see in, in verses 1 through 3 is to rest in him. And that is so important, to be able to rest in him. The idea of lifting the soul unto God is like the lifting of your whole being to him. And that's what Romans talks about. Romans 12, 1 and 2 captures it well. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present, that's aorist tense, present your whole being to him. And present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and worship, and do not be conformed to this world. You know what the be not conformed is present tense. We have to fight that conformity every day. Not just occasionally or when something comes up in the news. It is every day. I had to fight it in my profession. It has to be battle, that battle. If we don't fight that battle, that's how come I don't even listen to the news anymore. I can't listen to it. I catch bits and pieces. I know what to pray for. That's all I need. I don't need any opinions. I know what's going on. It's happened before. We need to prove the will of God. And so daily, continually, fighting that conformity. But also seeing the urgency, the urgency are renewing our mind daily. See, sometimes we have a little quiet time. Uh, what's the one devotional thing? Uh, Bread of life or something like that. We, we, we choose something small, devotional alike. There's, it's good for a moment, but it's not meat that carries you through the day. The attacks you will have in a day will be in all sorts of directions. My animal's been attacked. I had to put my dog down, my favorite dog. I had one of my cats attacked. With the dog gone, the enemy's come. My wife has fallen, and she's got a hurt back pain. I'm wrestling about thousands of things. That's the way the enemy works, multi-directions at one time. And David is describing that. That's why I want you to understand that. He's describing that. He went through that. And so when we rest in him, what that phrase, I could preach just on that one phrase. It is a total yieldingness to him. That's what it is. It's a total yieldingness that's in faith. And when you have that yieldingness to it, to, to the Lord, notice what he says. Oh, my God, in thee I trust when you have that kind of real yieldingness, you can trust him. You have nothing else on the back burner to go to. You have no other options. Your options is the Lord. That is it. I can tell you miracles about what's happened in my profession, in my job. God was the center. It was my tent-making trade. But even your tent-making trade, God does work there. He wants us submitted to him there in every way possible. 
And then in the psalm, he says, do not let my enemies, and I would add, nor the culture, shame me. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let the culture shame you. That's what the culture is trying. It is brainwashing. It's day in, day out. And five minutes here or there is not going to take care of that. We've got to have the word ingrained in our mind and heart. So as we pray, oh, things come. It comes up. God protects us. We need that word abiding in us every, every moment of the day. Do not let my enemies know the culture shame me or you God. See, if we're walking with the God, if it shames me, guess who else it shames? It shames him. His name is drug in the dirt. The name above all names. And two truths he shares here. Indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be ashamed. See, as you're resting in him, you're waiting. None of those who wait for him will be ashamed. We will not be ashamed. And truth too, but those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. God's truth allows us to rest in him. It allows us to rest in him. In such cases, we must embrace that truth with our whole being. If we're not embracing God's word, making an application for us in a daily way, we're going to have a tough time with the battle. The second part of this psalm starts in verse 4 and 5, a receptiveness to his guidance. As God delivered enemy, David from his enemies, he didn't want to be presumptuous as what to do next. See, when we see God deliver us, we're sort of presumptuous. Oh, I need to go do this now. No. If God is totally for us, I need to be praying and wanting what his will is next. He wanted to know. He wanted to understand his ways. He wanted to walk in his path. He sought the direction as to God's will. He was looking for God's will. Which is always founded in truth. So look at the verbs. Know. Teach. Lead. And teach again is one cultivates that receptivity to his ways and truth, it's easier, listen, it's easier to wait on him. I know that. I have some days there's so much that God's thrown on my plate for that day, I think, God, i got to have a minute. Well, my quiet time's rushed a little bit. Boy, I pay that price. I know that. I cannot do that. We need his truth. When we are resting in him completely, we'll know the way. 
Notice what Psalm 37, 7 says. <coughs> I don't know if I put that on notes. But he says, he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest and waiting are joined. Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Then we get into the next phrase of portion of the psalm, verses 6 and 7, remembrance by God. Remembrance by God. In verses 6 and 7, remembering is mentioned three times. Remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindness. God hadn't forgotten, but we have. And we need to mention, we think he's forgotten, he hasn't, to remind him of where we are at. It's got to be part of it. Second remembering, remember not the sins of my youth or of my recent transgressions. We all have the sins of our youth. Some of them still may haunt us. And we all have transgressions. We need to remember, or to pray this way, God, don't reward me according to the sins of my past or my present. but according to your mercy. And just continue to remember that mercy's still there today. Nothing's changed. He's still merciful. And the third remembering, still there in that same section, in thy loving kindness, remember me, for you are a good God. Notice where he goes. God, you're good. God's goodness. Remember me. Reflect on the character of God. Well, when you reflect on the character of God, there's a, there's a burden that lifts from our shoulders. It's all his to carry, not mine. Then the reflections of him, verses 8 through 11. And I won't spin them, but I just want to read through them. He's good and upright. He instructs sinners. He leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble his way. His paths are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his word. If our sin is great, and it is, it is. For thy name's sake, pardon it. And I wrote in my notes, as believers, we are, we are in the habit of categorizing our sin as small, not great. We do that. We do that when training children up in the way of the Lord. Oh, that's a little sin. I, I won't make a big deal of that. 
And then we get a little older, teenage. Oh, I won't make a big deal of that. We train her. And we get going through all of life. I won't make a big deal of it. But sin is a big deal to God. It's big. Even small sins affect not only us, but others. And they need confession and forgiveness. You know, when I pray in the morning and I walk, I sing, I pray, I confess, and I'll be going through the rest of my prayer for things and people. And God will be, hey, hey, Bill, you forgot one. You forgot one, Bill. Go back to that one. And so I'll have confession a couple of times in my prayer time. I didn't treat somebody rightly. I was abrupt. You've got to be sensitive. As we wait, he'll reveal. And lastly, rescue is only from him. We need to always realize that. And that's verses 12 through 20. But I want you to notice the prayer. There's two prayers here. We're going to look at two of them. First prayer, verse 16. And this whole psalm is a prayer. But the first prayer is turn to me and be gracious to me. Boy. I don't deserve it. The Father asks because of the blood of your Son. Be gracious to me. And then he goes through and talks about I'm lonely and afflicted. That loneliness describes a lot. I, we're coming, my wife and I are coming across people that are lonely. I had someone contact me on Facebook from one of my cat books, tracked me down from high school. Lost her husband during an ice storm in Texas. Her kids don't come see her very much. Has two cats, really lonely. And there are people like that all over. We've got to sense it. We should, we're not lonely because we have Christ. But if they don't have Christ, they're going to be lonely. Lonely. And afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Boy, we can describe that one. The last two years have been that way. The troubles there, our hearts have been heavy. That's not our load to carry. It's his. But I've been there. I know. Distresses. That word distresses translate tight. Places, corners. David was experiencing corners. God puts us all in them. He has a reason to put us there, so we have no place to look but up. Afflictions, troubles, and then David comes back again and forgive all my sin. See, it's He's conscious of his sin nature. We don't know when the psalm was written. I don't anticipate it was Bathsheba and on. I think it was prior. But he's made mistakes prior. Forgiving for my sins. I appreciate, when I study David's life, I appreciate his sensitivity and his gentleness towards the Lord. 
He really had that. And he, he reflects that in the psalm. Forgive all my sins. And notice then, now, um, verse 19. Look upon my enemies, for they are many. Just think you're standing there, and someone's shooting arrows at you in all directions. That's what the evil one's doing. That's what he's been doing to our culture. That's what he's doing to the churches. There's a lot of churches that didn't survive COVID. I hear stories about them all the time. They didn't make it. The arrows took them out. And then notice, last part of verse 19, and they hate me with violent hatred. Not just hatred, violent hatred. You've got to understand how extreme that is. We've had examples of that, and people ignore it. You can't ignore it. We sure can pray about it. And then the second prayer recurs, verse 20. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for thee. See, as you take refuge in him, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to learn to wait. It's not easy. But when you're resting in Christ, there's no other option. No other option. Before I forget it, let's turn to Jeremiah for a moment. And I know that's not everybody's favorite book. Jeremiah 13, what did I say, 13, no, it should be 12.5. I gave you the wrong reference. I was doing this off the top of my head. I apologize. Jeremiah 12.5. And I discovered this verse from one of the guys I discipled and became a missionary and then came back and in the States and got a Ph.D. and now ministering in a college. 12.5. If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? Footmen, the race is nice and easy and steady. Horses, you've got to go full steam. If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do in the thickets of the Jordan? See, we're in the thickets now. And what God's showing us, see, if you've got the background in the time of peace, you should be able to handle the thickets. Beautiful verse. Love. Theology then. Well, let's look at some reflections. And I, there were so many, I... I I apologize. I didn't know that you want another page of applications, so I just kept it to five or six. When the troubles or tight places occur, don't be anxious. That's the first thing we get. Don't manipulate. 
Don't scheme. Don't complain. Just rest in him and wait. As you're resting, you're praying, you're meditating, you're studying, and wait. His ways are not our ways, and his timing is not ours either. It's, his timing is different. Number two, cultivation and receptiveness to his ways and truth makes it easier to wait on him and trust his sovereignty. See, that's the deal. We're moving to trusting in his sovereignty, trusting in him. We've got to move that way. That's how come I tell people I have a lot of books on my shelf, and I'm always reading. I, I'm always reading books. But a lot of them I'm reading for the second or 50th time because there's some books that don't minister to me at all. And I've been going through a, one book. I've been working on it for about a year. Uh, lessons from a sheepdog. And I read it only on Sundays. I have certain books I read on certain days of the week. And this book, I've been, since my dog died, I've been in it again. And I go through it, and it ministers to me greatly. And I've suggested to some other people, because he doesn't preach, he just shares this dog and the relationship with him. Is our relationship is supposed to be with the Father. And the truths are phenomenal. And my youngest son, who's been a little wayward, but he's coming back, I sent him a copy of this book recently. And he sent an email yesterday, text message. Dad, since I'm being the father of an only son, I'm coming to see what you've always tried to model. And this book solidifies how beautiful it is. And he talked about it more. That's a joy. God's working. And we pray for our kids. They're not where I want them, but they will be. And so I look for books like that. A simple book. It's not very long. Something like seven, eight chapters. I thought about giving a copy to all the elders here. Uh, it's simple, but phenomenal truths. Anybody can understand. Number three, God doesn't forget us, but wants us to remember his loving kindnesses daily. He knows our sins of the past, present, and future, and they're covered by the blood of the cross. And as I said, he does not reward us as to what we deserve, but according to his great mercy. Always remember that. Number four, we will come to understand that in the darkest hour and during pressing danger, the Lord is closest to us. He cares profoundly. His presence will give us peace. His nearness will give us hope. His protection gives us life. That comes from this sheepdog book. He captures it. Wherever I'm reading, I'm expecting God to speak. And I pray he does for you too. Five and six, almost over. Only the Lord can provide the deep inner sense of security that we all long for. We will all experience the storms of life. That's 
ain't sure why. But he's promised to take us through them if we trust in him and not ourselves. We must risk the life of faith to become truly secure. I don't see it much risk. But some people do. And there are two simple prayers with great depth in the psalm. First, be gracious to me. Question I ask, are there any conditions for that? And two, guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee, for I wait for thee. Beautiful psalm. I'll try not to ruin, ruin it in my light singing. The name of the song uh, is uh, that I sing regularly, and I sing a lot of songs regularly. I just break out. Just things come out. I just sing. And I have a hymn book on my desk where I study, and sometimes I'll pull that and I'll sing in my office. Uh, I, I want to be attuned to what God's trying to tell me. The name of the song is Unto the Lord, and it goes this way. Unto thee, O Lord, unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed, but not my enemies triumph over me. Make a joyful noise with the Lord. Rest in him. Father, I thank you for the privilege to teach your word. I probably left out things you wanted in and included things that shouldn't have been there. But I pray you get the glory and honor. Help us to rest in thee in during these dark times. Because only with you can we make it. In his name, amen.